Oh captain, my captain. Oh captain, my captain. Oh captain, my captain. Oh captain, my captain. Happy birthday to you. Tomorrow. Oh, I went in too <laughs> fucking early. <laughs> That's why we're recording today, because tomorrow is my off day. Happy birthday, birthday. to you tomorrow. <laughs> tomorrow. Tomorrow. Happy birthday. Dear bum. Happy birthday to you. That was her. Should we just go straight into the podcast? Yeah, let's make that the intro. Welcome to Oh Captain, My Captain Birthday Special. Uh, it's uh. Uh, Rikudzo Ricky Kuku uh, Masindo's birthday tomorrow, the 4th of December. 3rd um, of December. <laughs> that, no, that, I know. Wait, that's, on, what day is it today? It's the second oh. today. That's you not knowing my birthday and the day of the month. <laughs> I was just getting a little bit confused about what day of the week it was. Um... I am terribly confused about everything. Um, I have uh, just made a slight tit of myself, which I will explain when we start the podcast proper. Um, But, um, hi, Ricky. How does it feel the last day of being 22? It feels, it feels it's weird. 23 feels like, like you can't say a 23 year old boy. You can say a 22 year old boy. You can kind of get away with that, but it's a 23 year old man. That doesn't, that sounds better. So it's kind of like, ugh, I'm actually getting older and it's, I don't like I don't it. think I can, I don't think I can say a 22 year old boy. I really, I don't think, I think it's creepy for me to say that. A 22-year-old boy. Well, you are a seedy-looking guy, so it doesn't help. <laughs> when, speaking of seedy, where are I you? wonder if... Oh, for fuck's sake. No, <laughs> doesn't want it today. Doesn't want it. No, it doesn't want uh, it. My doing my thumbs up, and it's not working. Uh, where am I today? Um, I am in the uh, my dressing room ah. of... Uh, have I got news for you? Ah. Um, uh, I'm gonna. I've put this on. I'm gonna spin this around so you can say to the fine people at home, uh, the fine listener, what you can see. Can you work that out? Can you make that out? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. So I can see. Um, well, it shows the extent of Mark's Hollywood penetration. The he has a mirror with like light bulbs on it. You know, like the classic Ooh. thing. And then in the reflection, there are a bunch of pipes and wires and like <laughs> air conditioning. It's amazing, isn't it? This so- is, um, <laughs> I'm in Riverside Studios and it's a brilliant studio, but uh, yeah, they haven't quite finished the ceilings yet. No. So it's, but wherever you go, whatever um, dressing room you go in, even like the poshest dressing rooms, 
uh, they have that ceiling. Um, and uh, yes, but no, this is um, mirrored. Uh, uh, one of those, basically, you're exactly right. One of those mirrors that you only think exists in uh, in films. Yeah, but exactly. Actually, could so it exists in real life. Um, yeah. I'm very excited about our guest today. I don't think you know much about our guest today, do you? This, no. this is sort of been done uh, by my fair hands. Um, we are going to be talking to so. Series one, we did an episode on TikTok. Yep. Series two, we did an episode on uh, podcasts. Yep. Because oh, it's yeah. very stand-up heavy. Uh, yeah. And I think it's nice sometimes to pretend that we give a shit about other th- forms of comedy that aren't stand-up, even though stand-up is the best one. Um, yeah. YouTube, podcasts, writing, they're all shit compared to stand-up. But every now and then, we should pretend that we care. Yeah, yeah, we should, you know, give a nod to the actual professions that make money. The other ones. And uh, so today, we are doing an improv special. Oh. Or, when I spoke to her over text, our guest today is Ruth Bratz, mm-hmm. um, who is... I'm going to say this right now. We've had some nice people on this podcast. Yeah. I'm going to say Ruth's the nicest we've had so far. She's genuinely the nicest. And so I think what I'm going to do today is go in hard, like properly see if I can make her bite. I think bite. that's my plan today. Yeah. <laughs> I want to bring out, I want to bring out the dark side of Ruth Brat today. Okay. Um, okay. Give so, me a, a background. What she's an improv. Um, she is. Um, so do you know the BBC Three sitcom People Just Do Nothing? Yes, yes, I know of it. I've never actually watched it, but I've. Um, so she is in that. Uh, yeah. She's also done acting and voiceover stuff and other oh, cool. bits and pieces. But she is, I would say, primarily. Um, an improviser, and That's... I would say, I think she's probably the best one. Really? Yeah, I think she's the best one. I think she's um, she teaches improv as well, but she, I think she's, um, I think she's just brilliant. Genuinely, she does. So she's in a, a thing called uh, Showstoppers, the improvised musical. Yeah. Um, and uh, I think she might be our first Olivier winning guest. On oh, podcast, wow. Actually. Uh, so, um, yeah, I think she's I think she's amazing and she is very keen on improv. Mm-hmm. And um, so that's why at some point during this recording, we are going to have an argument about um, me thinking that improv is shit. So get Here ready go. for that. I'm ready. I love it. Um, you're going to find you'll you'll discover it, and I'm going to go properly like Jeremy Paxman, kind of <laughs> taking her down. Um, but and this is an anecdote for the show. Uh, yeah. So uh, so we're going to save it. We're going to save it for when Ruth comes up. I am yeah. refreshing and waiting to see her. She will be here soon. She I am sure. Trade. I'm uh, just so yeah, tell me, uh, tell me about you. 
I am good. I am feeling the pain of a 12 week term, but I am good. I'm ready to go home and sleep and leave. Are you in Yeovil at the moment? I'm in Yeovil, yeah. And then it's your birthday tomorrow. It's my birthday tomorrow, and I'm going to the comedy store. And we are joined by, talking of the comedy store, we are joined by Ruth Bratt. Hi, Ruth Bratt. Hello. Hi. Um, the, we sort of the podcast has sort of started. Ricky does the <laughs> Ricky sort of does Ricky does the editing, but it's his birthday tomorrow, so I imagine this one will probably go out unedited. Yeah, yeah, like it doesn't all the time. <laughs> um, hi, Ruth. Hiya. Um, Ruth, Ricky, Ricky, Ruth. Hi, hi. Ricky. Hi. Happy birthday. Thank you very much. Thank you. This is the birthday um, special. We 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 already sung "Happy Birthday" to Ricky uh, in the introduction for the podcast. Yeah. yeah. Um, um, Ruth is a magnificent singer. So what we've got <laughs> is a magnificent singer who is not going to sing you "Happy Birthday" uh, and, a sh- <laughs> and a shit singer who did sing you "Happy Birthday." <laughs> I think that's absolutely fair. Happy with that? That's a very good trade. That's a very good trade. Um, Ruth is organising herself. Ruth is um, the only reason Ruth is doing this. Agreed to do this today is because she's doing her uh, her accounts today and wanted an escape from doing the accounts. Hundred <laughs> percent. You're welcome. How are they going? Thank you. Um, I found fa- I found the box. Of receipts. Is that, it? Is that it? <laughs> I thought there was more coming. I know. And I did, I downloaded all my uh, bank statements and um, then I cleaned the fire. Uh, so <laughs> I think I'm doing very well. <laughs> and then, and now you're doing a podcast. Now I'm doing a podcast. I'm finding the box of receipts did take quite a long time because. Uh, so I, I moved in December of last year and I still have boxes, obviously, still have boxes. Mm. And um, it, it's finding things like when I moved, because I moved from a two-bed place to a one-bed place. Mm. So everything's kind of been put into like different places than I would have put them into if I'd been organising it from scratch. Do you know, does that make sense? And yeah. then me trying to find stuff is hilarious. Just you know, but now you're chilling out with Mark Olver mm-hmm. and uh, celebrating the last day of Ricky being twenty-two. Oh it's my goodness, twenty-two! Um, I know. I know. So when uh, when Ricky was born, uh, yeah, twenty. 23 years ago tomorrow or 22 years ago tomorrow? I never know how ages work. Three years ago tomorrow. uh, Tomorrow is my 24th year of life. (laughs) Yeah, that's the 23 years of tomorrow. Yeah. Um, I had been doing stand-up for two months already by the time Ricky was born. Yeah, so what would that be, 1999? 1998. 98, I had just started acting. Jeez, you guys have more experience in acting and stand-up than I do in life. (laughs) (laughs) 
Oh, that's depressing, isn't it? Anyway, um, um, I don't know if you logged on when I was introducing you to Ricky, when I was saying things about you. Um, so I'm going to repeat them so you can hear me and you can... I've got an anecdote that I want to share with you. Basically, you are one of the funniest and nicest people I have ever met doing stand-up. This is Aww. absolutely fucking correct. A hundred percent. Ricky, Ruth Brett is an absolute gem. Mm-hmm. Right. I can tell already. <laughs> and that was not going to stop me going really fucking hard on her today. I was going to go full Jeremy Paxman, properly going for her with my... Because I like stand-up and I quite like improv, but improv can get on my nerves sometimes <laughs> and we're doing a whole improv special and I was going to come in really fucking hard on Ruth and I was going to and I was going to go oh it's not real and why don't you stand blah 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 so I've been thinking about this approach all the way and I'm in my dressing room at Have I Got News For You nice and I was thinking about this approach and so I was getting my wound, myself wound up about how I was going to take Ruth down <laughs> and I was going to take improv down and I was going to absolutely fucking destroy the whole form and then someone said to me why are you in so early and I went, I'm doing a podcast and they went what's it about and it's my comedy podcast and I'm doing it with Ruth Bratt and uh and they were like the improviser and I went yeah the improviser and I'm going to tell her how I think improv is naff and she can absolutely destroy her and they went you do know Paul Merton's in the next room. And I went, I'm probably going to change my tack. Because, <laughs> um, basically, I didn't want to upset Paul. Uh, <laughs> um, I don't mind upsetting Ruth Bratt, but... Uh, hey, mate. You're fine with that. So, yeah. So, Ricky, what do you know about improv? Oh, now, firstly, can we do this properly? Um, mm. When I said... Oh, do you mind talking about improv? You went, oh, yeah, I love talking about improv. So is there a V on the end of it? What are we doing? How are we do- are we- what are we getting right at the beginning? So here's the thing. Uh, you can call it improv. You can call it improv. There's, there's theories about which is which. Wow. Uh, I think improv is more like the old school um, Keith Johnston stuff improv suggests that you're probably um influenced by the more sort of north american stuff and uh, del close and second city for me it's just whatever i mean i don't really care you can call it either uh, just whatever rolls off the tongue easiest and i've always called it impro so i continue to call it impro with absolutely no um political agenda at all um, but there are politics within the improvisation world <laughs> that, that would suggest you have to come down hard on either one or the other side, um, uh, whichever. You see, Ricky, after my rant, uh, which went nowhere, we have now discovered, did you know that there were two, there was a whole political thing in the world of improvisation? No, I didn't even know that impro was a thing. I had no idea. What do you mean you didn't know it was a thing? Like impro. I thought it was just improv. I thought everyone just said improv all the time. Well, like so Keith, Keith Johnston's book. So Keith Johnston is often uh, called the, the he's, he's one of the sort of fathers of improvisation. Like he's one of the big gurus. That, and he's, he started in the UK, I think. And he's, um, his book is called Impro. Hmm. 
Um, and then, but improv is more, uh, because if you think about the way English people say improvisation, that, that uh, improvisation, yeah. and Americans are improvis- improvisation. So they're yeah. improv. No, they yeah. don't. They do, they do. They <laughs> say it differently. That's a ridiculous way of pronouncing a word. Improvisation. 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 Do you improvisate? Yeah. It's just the accent. It changes the way you say it. So, and, and Dale Close, who's kind of like the big guru over in North America, is improv, definitely. So um, in a slight tangent, um, la- about two years ago, I did my first and last ever voiceover job. Uh, basically, there was a TV show that they had made called The Cars That Made the World. And um, it was voiceovered by one person, but they wanted to sell it to like um, different countries, but also airlines. So they had to get rid of that person's voiceover and redo the voiceover incredibly cheaply and incredibly quickly. And so they got this guy in because I'm incredibly cheap. Mm -hmm. Um, So we did like eight episodes in two days. And I discovered during the one about the future of cars that I don't know how to say the word. You know, innovation. Yeah. Yeah. In in innovative. 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 So, so we got to this bit. And there's a, so this car was one of the most innovative. This car was one of the. <laughs> <laughs> um, and so for the, so for that episode, the producer just changed it to like this car was one of the newest cars. You know, <laughs> <laughs> I just couldn't do it anyway. So uh, I, yeah. I find speaking quite difficult sometimes. Speaking's hard, especially when there's pressure on it. Yeah, definitely. Lots of pressure on it. Lots of pressure. Um, do you like? So you did. You did a bit of stand up, and you did yeah, character stuff. This episode, we did an episode in the first series about TikTok. Then we did an episode about. Uh, um, podcasts. Um, is this is improv a good thing for people to do rather than doing stand up? Like, or I don't. I'm trying to think because I really like you, but I do see a lot of improv, especially at, at Edinburgh, that does my head in a little bit, and I do <laughs> think to myself, ah, oh, I wonder if they're doing this because they're not brave enough to do stand up. That's that. That's my. Um, that's my opening uh, comment in this podcast. Discuss. So I have a weird thing with with impro- improv uh, because I have done stand up and uh, all of that, and because so there's a little bit of me that still has there's a little bit of my brain that still has the stand up attitude of. Well, this is a waste of everyone's time. <laughs> and, and I have to say that if I'm on a bill, if we're doing, because for me, it's just a, a thing. I'm not sure that improv works well on a mixed bill. It's the same thing that we used to say, people used to say about character comedy or sketch comedy. And if you try and put that with stand up, the, they don't quite meld. And I do feel that a little bit with improv and stand up. And I, 
uh, if we're ever on, a, especially if we're on a bill with stand-ups that I know when I used to do stand-up with, I can get very self-conscious about <laughs> how I'm doing. I would say, though, that good improv is as good, if not better, than any other comedy. Unfortunately, there's a lot of not good improv out there. Much mm. of the same, there's a lot of not good stand-up out there. Let's be honest about it. Mm. Like, you know, sometimes I watch stand-up and go, oh, no, no. no, no. <laughs> you know? um, so I would say that, so w- w- we, we did a lot of work with Ken Campbell, who I don't know if you know of him. He was this incredible kind of, I don't know what to describe him as, theatre maverick. He was brilliant. And his thing was, if it's not going to be better than the scripted stuff, why are you doing it? Mm. And that's always been my goal. If it's not as good as or better than scripted, why are we improvising it? Mm. So that to me is always the goal, is to be or, or aiming for something that you cannot get from scripted work that you can only get through improv. So what does what does improv give you that scripted work can't? Now, where is the differentiation? Like the so the, the, the main thing that improv gives you is that you are, it, and it's the, own, it's the only um, art form that, art form, what a wanker. It's the, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's wanker. the only one that has it, is that you are discovering everything at exactly the same time as the audience is discovering it. Mm. There's, do you know what I mean? So if something mm. is funny and is discovered as funny, that discovery is happening in the moment with an audience and they are finding the funny as you're finding the funny. Mm. So it's a, it's a completely um, universal experience that that is only, that can only be that. The other thing is it's ephemeral and once you've done it, it's gone. And mm. it can never be done again and shouldn't ever be done again. And it, it drives me nuts. Like sometimes like when people do the same shtick and you're like, oh, no, you've done that. And I can't do it. I, I can't. I can't bring myself to do it. And it's um, and an audience can smell it. It's, like, it's exactly the same as with um, stand up when there's an improvised bit. You mm. know what I mean? when someone's doing like a bit they've never done before and you can smell it. It smells bad when it isn't actually a new bit. Do you know what I mean? When mm. something spontaneous isn't spontaneous, you can, you can smell it. You can taste it. And it tastes like, I don't know, despair <laughs> and uh, <laughs> betrayal. <laughs> um, we covered this when we did an episode with Angela Barnes in the first series about uh, bugbears, because one of my mm. bugbears, and this is exactly what you're talking about, is the fake mistake. Uh, <laughs> I just, I'm like, oh, and it's like fake corpsing. You know, when, some, when corpsing is written in something, and it's normally yeah. because something has been funny once and, and, it, and it has genuinely caught you off guard. And... You know, that's one that's one of the most joyful laughs you can have is when something catches you genuinely off guard and everyone starts laughing. And, you know, and but as soon as that is then written in, so you have to recreate that. And it just I, I sort of planned corpsing 
makes me so angry, like, uh, like unreasonably angry. <laughs> <laughs> to the point of like, well, I might leave now. <laughs> you know what I mean? like, this is absolutely brilliant. I said to Ricky before we started, I said, I'm going to try and break Ruth Brat today. I'm going to absolutely go in hard. I, mean, I didn't even have to go in hard and I've broken you uh, in 18 minutes. So I'm really... Absolutely. I've got a healthy disdain for all of it. <laughs> <laughs> Ruth's got a dark side. So I obviously I MC a lot and do lots of warm up, and so so much of what I do is improvised. But I don't see myself as an improviser. I just see myself as someone who talks rubbish, makes it up. I don't. I've got so many games I play with an audience. I've got a thing that I really enjoy doing uh, about people's favourite spherical foods. Um, mm. I just, well, th- the thing is, basically, there's all spherical foods are brilliant. Like, mm-hmm. there isn't really a bad spherical food. Um, I can't think yeah. of them. No, I- people will throw in sprouts. They're nice, mm. though, if you cook them right. That's true. With, with a lard on, especially. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Well, I guess. Mm. Yeah, that's true. Yeah, that's true. It's hard to think mm. of. Do you like a lard on? Love a lard on. Sure. Ricky, do you like a lard on? <laughs> is that you played the game with us now? <laughs> Ricky, yeah, exactly. <laughs> this is a bit. I love it. Well, this is a this is a bit, and this is what I do with the audience when someone will say sprouts. I know that they're trying to undermine me, and I know I've got a bit about lardons. And I go, <laughs> every time I have a sprout, I have a lardon, and every time I have a lardon, I have a sprout. Sometimes I can have 15 lardons a day. I bloody love a lardon. Now, <laughs> now, am I making Ruth feel despair by doing my lardon bit does an audience because I'm I'm not saying that he's improvised, but no. at the same time I'm not not saying he's improvised. If that but, makes sense. But you're not doing it. But when you're doing that, you are you're responding to something in the moment. So if if no one said Brussels sprouts, but you wanted to do your lard on bit, and you went, did someone say Brussels sprout? <laughs> then then I would taste despair. <laughs> but do you know what I mean? Like the 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 whole point of it is that it's is. It, it's the ultimate kind of interaction, isn't it? That you mm. are responding in the moment to the... And I bet every time you've done that lard on bit, there's been something slightly different in the lard on bit. I think I'd like you to stop referring it to as a bit. <laughs> a bit. The lard on bit. Over's <laughs> lard on bit. <laughs> I'm, I'm going to have a T-shirt made with that. Over's lard on bit. Um. Ricky, how much um, editing can you do on this episode? Basically, do you have the ability and time to bleep a name if I mention names who do the thing that uh, we've done with before? Uh, yeah, I mean, I can, yeah, I can, I know when this is now because you've helpfully told me. So I can just take it out. <laughs> okay. So I think he's a, he's a good comic, but. Not gonna lie, editing Ricky here, couldn't find a bleep sound, it's harder than you think. But let me know if when Mark said Lardon, you thought he said Hardon like me. Uh, bleeped name out. Used to do a bit um, where he would be on stage and he would say, oh, look at that, look at that uh, intellectual's corner over there, look at intellectual. And like, he would do it whatever the room was. He would do it where, and, 
And that always used to annoy the shit out of me mm. that he was going in with that bit going, oh, look at you lot over there. And I was like, oh, come on, mate. At least find the people first if you're going to point at them. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I mean, but I guess that's probably what makes your warm up more closer to stand up than improv. Because, like, stand up is like, trying to find ways to take pre-written things and make them look in the moment. Like that's kind of what the trick is. Like when you're like in the way a magician has their tricks, that's kind of the trick of stand-up of trying to look spontaneous, but everyone kind of knows that it's not. But I suppose in improv, it's more annoying because you're actually saying, no, this is improvised. And if you then come out with something that's not, then you are just directly deceiving an audience. Yeah. And also people don't believe you anyway. So yeah. don't give them any fuel that, you know, people never believe that what, what we're doing is improvised. Mm. And it's really frustrating because you're like, well, it, it, it is. But if someone then does something that clearly isn't, you're like, oh, well, that's added fuel to the fire of, you know, the people who are like, I've worked out actually. I've worked out how to do it. <laughs> no, all right then. Do you prefer um, impro than scripted stuff? Do you prefer, because uh, you act as well, do you, yeah. do you like getting stuck into a script or do you, yeah, like making it up? I like both. I do love both. I do love yeah. both. Um, and I, I mean, what I would say is that impro has made me very, not lazy, very kind of like, I can't think of what the word is, but like I sometimes go, oh, well, if I can't remember it, I'll make something up, it'll be fine. And, you know, I can be a bit sort of um, lack. Um, um, lackadaisical. Lackadaisical. <laughs> I can be terribly lackadaisical with the script. But like if I... If I write something and then <laughs> say, okay, fine. I'll put a picture of this on our Twitter. You've made me. Too many people have asked what this is. There you go. God. I discovered a couple of weeks ago that sometimes if you put your thumb in the right position on Zoom, it does a little uh, a little thumbs up emoji on the screen. That's amazing. Yeah, thank you, Ruth. Um, I think it's amazing. Uh, most of our listeners don't give a shit and think I'm having a breakdown every time I do it. Um, <laughs> uh, yeah, I can be very lackadaisical with scripted stuff. But if I'm writing a script, I get really annoyed if because the rhythms of it are of written stuff are very specific. You all know this from stand-up. Like, if you get the rhythm wrong, and often it's like a misplaced word rather than anything else, and if those rhythms are wrong, then it really mucks up the whole thing. So, you know, there's, it's a, yeah. But I, I, I love, I love scripted stuff. I do. I mean, a lot of the scripted stuff I've done has a heavy element of improvisation in it now, because um, that mm. seems to be quite a, an in thing. Yeah. The other yeah. thing about impro and stand up, and maybe th this podcast came out of getting people involved in comedy and getting people mm. from different communities involved in comedy because we realized that the Bristol scene was, frankly, the whitest place in uh, the Bristol scene is whiter than the backdrop of all three of our Zooms today. <laughs> I mean, that is how. Um, 
<laughs> Although you can see just how bad the ceiling is in my yeah. dressing room. <laughs> yeah. Like That's a beautiful ducting there. That's a beautiful um, um, I think one of the things that maybe is attractive to people doing impro is that you don't do it on your own, that you've often got people that you can kind of mm. play with, basically. Yeah. Ricky, what do you, do you ever like the idea of doing sketch or improvisation or even a double act or something like that? Does that or do you like the idea of being on your own? Um, interesting question. I think, I think among non-artsy people, improv has a bad reputation for whatever reason. Like, and it's... Shit. <laughs> <laughs> I, I was being nice, but there we go. Um, but it's like even, even stuff like, um, like, you know, like the Impractical Jokers, how everyone kind of thinks they're like a prank group or whatever. But then when you tell people, oh no, these guys are like improv kids, they were doing it at uni and then they got better and then they made a show from it. Like this is actual improv. People don't kind of want to believe it. But so it's like that show kind of made me interested in giving it giving it a go. But um, I think stand-up has always appealed to me because you can just turn up on your own and you don't have to worry about other people coming and what they're doing and what's in their heads and what they're thinking is funny. But I guess I'm just a lone wolf who doesn't need a pack, but I'd love to have a little solo in pro. Can you? Yeah. What's that like? What's that? How does that work? Depends on the person. Um, I know one guy, one guy did this amazing thing I saw where he, he, did half the scene by himself and filmed it. And then he had a conversation where he played that back and he had a conversation with himself. It was amazing. It was amazing. Wow. Um, really incredible. Um, other people will have an in, in time conversation. So they'll switch seats or whatever, or um, there's lots of different ways of doing it. Um, I mean, it's, yeah, there's, there's That's definitely cool. an option if you want to do it by yourself. I mean, most improvisers don't want to be by themselves because that was one of the things that I definitely found when I started doing sketch and impro rather than stand-up. Uh, it was really nice not to be by myself on a stage. Mm, because I think... what I missed and what I missed in lockdown was the twinkle. You know, twinkle. When you, look, you know, when you look at someone else on stage and they've got that little twinkle and you're like oh either I've said something funny or they're about to say something funny or and I I miss that uh yeah that must be incredible I think like what would be nice about it kind of like when you're speaking to comedians versus speaking to non-comedians is it's fun muggles mug muggles is it's fun it's fun when you're with funny people and they have a yes and personality like if you say something off the wall and they'll go with it and you can have fun and play with it and they don't shut it down so i think that's something that i would really enjoy doing in like uh, an improv group yeah we were actually i was talking about uh john richardson the other day and i was talking about how quick he was and how funny he is and actually i just rem- reminded myself that the anecdote i was telling ruth was there this was a while ago, I can't remember which club it was, but we met for some food before. We were talking about Hobbit for some reason, and I still remember this. And someone said, 
what's a female hobbit? And without hesitating, John Richardson said, Hobbitch, which is just... <laughs> I'm being in a room, and I have this being friends. Hi, Editing Ricky here. First of all, this is probably the first podcast you listen to with a narrator, and this is getting weirdly too meta even for me. But um, part of the podcast didn't record because of technical difficulties, and I could get rid of some parts to make it sound more smooth, but then you'd lose a bunch of the information that Mark and Ruth spill out from their beautiful mouths. So I thought I'd leave it in so that you guys can hear all of it. And I'm not just doing this because it's a lot, lot easier. Um, hello to our weirdly big following in Poland. Yeah, they've all done. They've all done um, Second City or uh, UCB or you know uh, the uh, what were they? What they called in LA? The Groundlings, I think. The Groundlings, yeah. They've all they've all done it, um, and it's seen as a route in. Whereas for I mean, up until very recently, uh, improvisation here was seen as just you know. What is that? Isn't even a thing. You know, even though you had the comedy store players, you know, like Paul, who've been doing it for 30, I can't remember what, but they've just had their birthday. I think it was like 37 years or something. They've been doing it forever. Um, and, you know, whose line started here? But, but it's not, it's, it's never been a, a thing. Like, you know, when I, when I was at drama school, they drama school I did a year. Uh, they didn't. Um, it wasn't offered as a thing. It wasn't offered at all. And I only did it. I only started doing it because I was up in Edinburgh doing. I think it was my first my first year doing stand up up there, and my mate went. Um, oh, I'm doing a. My mate who I was in a play with was. He was like, I'm doing a, an improvised um, soap opera. Do you want to come and do it tomorrow? I'm a guest on it and I went yeah go on then and uh I'd never done it I didn't know any of the yes and I didn't know any of the anything and um oh I didn't know so you were doing stand-up before improv yeah yeah oh I didn't know I thought yeah. you were doing improv from like when you were like seven or something no, like that no no not until I was up in Edinburgh my mate said do you want to come and guest and I went yeah go on then and I played the devil in this soap opera and I had and, and a stalker and I had more fun than I'd had for and you know when you, you know when you do a thing and you go, oh, that's it, that's what it is, that's what I've been looking for, and I get, I, I got a, a buzz from that that I didn't really get from anything else that I did, really. Um, so that's kind of where it all started, and I didn't know that it was, I didn't know, it, and it wasn't a route to anything at the time, you know. So when I go and teach it now. And you know, to drama students or whatever, and they're like, and I'm like, I'm an improviser. That's my job. Who knew that was a job? Not me. <laughs> I didn't know it was a job because it wasn't a job. It's sort of become a job in the last sort of. I mean, it was it was a job, but it wasn't like a, you know, a, one that lots of people did, or you know. So yeah, it's sort of sort of fascinating that it's changed so much but it is really different here than in the states for sure, for sure. yeah i think it's really i the, one of the things i like about this podcast is that explaining to people that stand up or that comedy isn't just stand up and yeah. 
um, I'm going to do some interviews with agents and bookers and all sorts mm. of other people because I love being involved in comedy, but stand-up, being on your own, doing the circuit, travelling around, fighting for gigs, turning over material all the time, it's not for everyone, you know, and yeah. there are other ways that people should be able to express themselves comedically. And I think in, improvisation is definitely a good one i'm i think i'm fortunate i think i'm lucky to know people like you because if it wasn't for you i might only ever see so ricky is phoning me because i think he is hold on um is there something inherently naff about improv and And if I tried to create an improv group that wasn't naff, would that be even naffer than the improv group that I tried to, like, replace? Like, if everyone came in and I just went, right, everyone, improv is inherently naff, so we're going to do rock and roll, death <laughs> improv. Here we go, everyone. Yeah, that yeah. would be... that. Yeah, that would be... So the even whole... The weird thing about it is that it's it's like a oh I mean it is a ripe little world for making fun of because it's it is naff so much of it is naff and uh, you know so one of the things with Showstopper was that the the goal was never to create a good impro show the goal was to create a musical a great musical that just happened to be improvised. Mm. The, the the goal is not to create a great impro show. The goal is to create a great show. Mm. And that, I think, is the big difference between the good stuff and the naff stuff, you know. Um, we've never... Uh, uh, I have a real problem with using it's made up as an excuse. Like, nah, that's no excuse. Then you mm. should be working twice as hard. Maybe it's because I'm a woman and, you know, <laughs> I've worked twice as hard to be felt funny anyway. But, <laughs> but it's that thing of like, no, you can't use it as an excuse. You just work harder. How do you work? I don't understand. How do you work harder to be good at improvising? Well, we've spent, I mean, the more you do it, the better you get at it. Same with stand-up. Okay. You know, we all know that to be true. Um, you you have to commit to it as a as a thing. You can't. You know, kind of, because you can't be half-assed on stage. Do you know mm. what I mean? And so, any time I see people kind of doing that apologetic, like, "Oh yeah, I know this is rubbish," that's it. I'm immediately out. I'm like, no. If you're mm. telling me it's rubbish because you're uncomfortable, why why aren't you trying to be better at it then? Why are you mm. asking the audience to forgive you for it? You so do you I mean? think like that, that's the stuff that? Do you think that impro is only not cringe when it's good? Yeah, if it's good, it, you shouldn't cringe at all. You yeah. should just be laughing and you should be comfortable. You yeah. know, if the same with a stand-up, right? If a stand-up yeah. is in command of the stage and doesn't look nervous and, you know, no matter what their, you know, their inner monologue is, and we all know that our inner monologue is usually, eh, this is rubbish. Mm. <laughs> <laughs> um, but, you know, as long as you look... Like you know what you're doing, 
you know, and you, and, and you create a confidence that the audience know they're in safe hands and they're going to have a good time and they're going to laugh, then you're fine. It's when it's when the it's when the people on stage don't look like they're sure it's going to be fine. Yeah. The, the audience start to go, oh, no, is it going to yeah. be fine? And then it's not fine because everyone's on sort of slightly on edge. You need to. So, you know, the, the, the point is that impro is kind of, it's ridiculous, it's a ridiculous thing to do, go onto a stage with nothing. Mm. But if it's done by people who are, you know, competent, um, then there should be an element of ease around it so that the audience are like, oh, okay, they're putting themselves in some kind of peril by not knowing what they're going to do, but I'm comfortable because they're okay with being in peril. Do you know what mm. I mean? They're okay yeah. with walking that tightrope. It's like... So here's the thing, like with a tightrope walker, most tightrope walkers can walk backwards and forwards across a tightrope all day long, right? Yeah. Yes. Yes, but, we can. But, we, <laughs> <laughs> but that's not interesting or exciting to an audience. That's just someone walking. So when you see a tightrope walker wobble, they're generally not actually wobbling. Mm. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. They're showing you they're showing you how difficult it is while not actually properly going to die, you know? Mm. Yeah. So, and I kind of feel that there's a similarity with that with impro. Like, you know, I'm comfortable enough on stage that I know it's going to be, it's going to be fine. It's going to be fine. It's never going to be less than entertaining. Mm. Um, is it sort of a little bit nerve wracking? Yeah, sure it is. No one's going to die. You know? <laughs> so what's up? Uh... Oh, please. Go on, Ricky. Uh, no, I was just going to say, what is the, like, process, like, the skill? Because, like, if you, something like comparing or emceeing that it is ma made to look like it's on the spot isn't usually on the spot. Like, you'll have things that you always do. Like, you ask people, are you a couple? And you have jokes and stuff like that. What is the process of improv? Because are you actually going on with nothing? Yeah, or 100%. So what, how do you work up to that? How, how do you get better at that? You, uh, I mean, we do rehearse, we do, yeah. you know, we, we practice the skills. And mostly it's just about listening. My mm. whole thing at the moment, and it all it changes like all the time, but my whole thing at the moment is that if you're doing good improv with other good people, you shouldn't be inventing anything. It mm. should just happen because mm. you're listening to each other. Yeah. Yeah. Um, you know, and, there's, and, and you're listening to the audience as well. Like, what are the audience going with? Same way a stand-up would. Like, you have those same antennae that are going, they're going for this bit, they're not going for this bit. Or, do you know what I mean? How do I? And, and so th there's a similar thing. Like, you go down a path in impro and you're like, yeah, um, yeah, no, this isn't working. Let's do something else. You know, mm. it's about being you know, alive and alert and, and, and listening to everything, but listening to the other performers, listening to the audience, listening to yourself, you know, listening to your own impulses and what have you. And I think that's why um, improv is such a useful thing sometimes for stand-up to a starting out, because it really does 
help you get in the room. And actually, it's why comparing is a really useful thing for new comics as well, because it yes. just it puts you in in the space and you start to learn. I mean, you've 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 compared a couple of times now, haven't you, Ricky? And I'm guessing it's already helped you, has it? Just being in, you know, knowing what it's like to be in the room. Yeah, yeah, no, definitely. Because it's like, it's, um, you don't trust yourself that you're actually funny until you're in that moment. Because when you first start out, at least for me, I was heavily a writer. I was writing my jokes, figuring out how it was funny and highlighting all the punchlines. And that worked for a bit, but then I realized I was just kind of reciting the jokes and I was saying them on stage and I was getting good at making it sound like I wasn't just reciting the jokes. But then after emceeing and comp like comparing, I can be like, oh, okay, I can actually trust myself that I can be funny on stage. And I don't know if that's come out from like when people are watching me, if they notice a difference, but it's in my head, there's a difference and that I feel more comfortable. And it's like, it's, uh, you trust yourself more. That's great. But that's really, uh, that, so the whole thing about improv is about being in the now, right? Mm. Yeah, um, and there's all these rules that we're told about improv. So many rules, so many, you know, like that everyone thinks they know and that they have. But the more you do it, the more you're like, actually, those rules are kind of they, they highlight the the inadequacies of our language for one. But but a lot of the rules aren't actually helpful, you know. Um, the 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 most sort of important thing for me is like, are you in are you in the moment of now? So you know, there's a whole thing about know not acting with tension not but if you're but if you're tense and you're like oh i'm really tense tonight and if you're trying not to be tense you're just going to be more tense so mm. whereas if you just go i'm tense tonight that's that is the now that is the state of the now okay mm. i'm tense tonight so the same with an audience if you're if you're emceeing and you're in the moment with them now it shows you how, how powerful that is, that you can then do that always. And if you can then, you know, because I think improv has really helped me with scripted stuff because mm. I'm in the now in the scripted stuff. Mm. Do you know what I mean? Like I can be like, okay, this is the first time I've said this because this is the first time I've said it now. Do you know, mm. do you know yeah. what I mean? And you, um, you're not a, uh, an avid listener to this particular podcast, are you? You are not. I'm really honest. I'm not an avid listener to any podcasts. I haven't. I've listened to, <laughs> listened to one podcast once. Wow. One episode. I know. How bad is that? Um, <laughs> we, <laughs> um, we interviewed James Acaster two weeks ago. Oh yeah. And what's really interesting is what you just said then about the improvisers or your particular. Um, idea about being in the now and if you are feeling tense then well if that's what you're feeling then do that lean mm. into that is almost I would say Ricky almost word for word the exact conversation we have with James about writing new material yeah yeah yeah, yeah exactly yeah um, almost almost exactly when he was talking about being on Taskmaster yeah and he was feeling 
unsure and he, he was feeling slightly uncomfortable. And so rather than backing away from it, he lent into it. And that's when he kind of, he had a go at Rod and a go at Greg. And that clip's quite a famous clip and it's gone viral because he did exactly what you, what you said. And I think that's really interesting that two people who come from different worlds, but also you haven't listened to that, mm. come up with pretty much exactly the same theory for uh, for dealing with something, whether it's stand-up or uh, or improv. Yeah, I mean, it's never going to be a bad, a bad thing, right? And if you think about, you know, in terms of, like, writing and what have you, in, in some ways, improvisers are just really fast writers, really fast writers, you know, and you're writing now and we don't get the chance to edit out the bits, you know, that, that, I mean, you can, you know, there is a lot of improv that is used as base for, so when me and Lucy did our um, sketch show, obviously it all, most of it came from improvising and we'd basically, we'd sit, We'd sit in her front room while her baby was asleep and we'd put on different wigs and we'd go, who's this person? And then we'd, you know, just dick about. And then eventually some stuff would come out of that that was, you know, worth exploring. Um, you know, and some came really quickly and others, you know, took a lot longer or whatever. But it, but it is, it's like a, it's a, it's a form of writing but writing publicly. Yeah, I had a conversation on Friday nights with a comedy writer at The Last Leg, and he was saying the difference between writers who write for telly and stand-ups, and actually for this conversation, I would probably put the improvisers in with the writers for telly people, mm-hmm. because he was saying the thing about stand-ups, when they're writing a joke, they want it to be good. They want to go, okay, that joke, there. So they might generate 10 jokes and eight of them are good. Where And two of them are like, oh, because we're a bit afraid to fail. Where a comedy writer will write a thousand jokes and literally 920 of them will absolutely <laughs> die on their arms. And he was saying, and that's because... We're not afraid to die on our ass, whereas yeah. comedians are a bit more afraid to die on their ass. And again, it's a little bit of a parallel with improvisation as well, I think. Yeah, totally. Embrace the failure. Like, because also the failure can be glorious. Like mm. when you because a lot of it is about um like genuinely believing you can do something. So it's this is this is my problem because I turn off a lot of my conscious brain when I'm improvising and then um, I end up doing some dumb stuff. But I remember once being at the comedy store, um, and uh, and I I just I I just convinced I was convinced that I could do a crab, you know, <laughs> I was convinced I could do it, and. And I, I started doing it and Lee Simpson was uh, my screen, uh, my scene partner. And he, he said it was hilarious, this moment where I was like over halfway down and realised I couldn't do it, but couldn't, couldn't get out of it because I'd really committed to it physically and physically there was no going back. And he said the funniest bit was watching my eyes 
as I realised <laughs> that I was doing something I couldn't physically do. Um, I put my back out massively. It was hilarious. It was so worth it. But the joy of that failure was, you know, like, and there was another one. For me, it's always physical failure. I, I it was playing a contortionist. And I went, I'll get, it's all right, I can hide in this box. And we had a box on stage that I went, I'll just get in the box. I'm not a contortionist. <laughs> but I spent, I'm going to say, a good three minutes trying to squeeze myself <laughs> in front of an audience, trying to squeeze myself into a box that I physically couldn't get into, uh, you know, without one bit of me hanging out, you know, really uh, ungainly. But that joy of failure, of failing massively to do something, but with with absolute hundred percent commitment and belief, is um, is a thing that it's another thing that you only really get in in improv, because of course by the time the TV writer has failed nine thousand or nine hundred and twenty times, they've all gone and they'll never be seen. They've, they've, that's mm. been done in like a small room. Whereas when you do it in improv, <laughs> you know, in front of an audience of, I don't know, 700 people or, you know, whatever it is. So it's, yeah. I love failure. I, I really, I, I genuinely, I think it's my, I think it's one of the things that, uh, that makes a good stand-up. It absolutely, 100%. that's a, that ability. Again, Ricky, we're going back to my, uh, my new motto. I've got a new motto at the moment, yeah. which is, um, and again, you want to make a T-shirt. This is the T-shirt. Um, and on the give back. enough. Yep. No, give enough of give en- <laughs> give enough of a fuck to do well, but not so much of a fuck that you don't enjoy it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Absolutely. Phrase. So you should be pushing yourself to do, pushing yourself to brilliance, but being okay when you fall short. Mm. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Like, don't beat yourself up about it afterwards, you know, because it's not worth it. And my other new one, which has done quite well because I messaged it and uh, I put it on social media and other people are replying but also have stolen it slightly, is a poster I brought with a Dolly Parton quote the other day, um, which was, um, was it... uh, Know who you are and do it on purpose. Or yeah, yeah. Like, yeah mm. love that. Love yeah, that. Great, isn't it? Know who you are and do it on purpose. Damn. Um, my, my thing is, don't don't be a dick about it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Don't be a um, dick about it. Ricky, mm-hmm. uh, we're going to finish this podcast now. Um, and we're going to finish this podcast. I know I said I wasn't going to make her sing happy birthday to you, <laughs> uh, but I'm going to make Ruth sing happy birthday to you. As quickly as she's able to. Okay, so get ready for this. She's an Olivier winning uh, musical theatre star, and she's now going to sing Happy Birthday to Ricky as fast as possible. As fast as possible. Ruth, go. I bet it's you, I bet it's you, I bet it's Ricky, I bet it's you. There you go. <laughs> <laughs> I love how you sat up for that. Like, you were like, okay, <laughs> let's go. She's, <laughs> she's been doing uh, far too many self-tapes. What? I'm performing now. Here we go. There we go. <laughs> yes, and this is the wall I use because it's uh, blank. So. <laughs> <laughs> 
Ruth, thank you for doing this. I love this. I, it's a shame we had that um, that technical thing in the middle, but I think we uh, I think we nailed this. We got it. We got this. Yeah, we did. We yeah. got it. Yeah, Ooh, birthday special. I told you she was nice, didn't I, Ricky? Oh, she's so nice. You didn't, you don't go didn't off lie on about her. that, did I? No, I didn't. One day, I want to do an episode where we have a proper cunt on and just <laughs> absolutely could do a proper bitchy one. Maybe that'll happen. Maybe that'll happen in like episode series ten or something. What, like, like who that. really like hates other people or is just like an awful human? Oh, both, both. Oh, right. We must know someone like that. <laughs> yes, we must be those people. Uh, <laughs> um, um, thank you, Ruth Bratt. Enjoy the rest of your um, uh, avoided tax. Thank you, I will. I, I will move the tea, the teapot that is currently on top of the tax. <laughs> Probably a good idea. Um, and uh, this this episode goes out on Saturday. If you ever want to listen to your second ever podcast, I will. Yay. Maybe I she won't. She absolutely. She, ab- she absolutely won't. She won't listen to the podcast. <laughs> um, um, goodbye, Ruth. We will see you very soon. Yes, please, and thank you. Bye-bye. Thank bye bye. Thank you, Ruth. Bye bye. Um, Ricky Masindo. Oh, there you go. That's the end, isn't it? That is the end, I believe, is what they call it. Um, are you going back to Bristol tonight? Are you going straight to London tonight, tomorrow? What are you? Where are you waking up for your birthday? I'm waking up in my room in Bristol, and lovely. Then I'm going to London in the afternoon to the Comedy Store and Finn Taylor. Uh, episode eight or something of Oh Captain, My Captain will be there. Well, enjoy yourself. Um, I'm oh, going captain, to go get some food and I will speak to you. Oh, very, Captain, very my very Captain. Soon. Goodbye. See you, Mark. Oh, 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 oh,